Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mench Warmers. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Jamie and this is Gabe. Go! It's the World Cup of Soccer for the women. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, as Gabe seemed to suggest, we're going to be talking some soccer here. It's the Women's World Cup. Uh, coming up later on the podcast, we are going to be talking about a very topical thing, very near and dear to our hearts, the NBA championship of the Toronto Raptors. They've won, in case uh, you didn't know. And we'll be talking about the Jewish connections with that team. But uh, first, we're going to talk about some news relating to soccer. Gabe, it's the Women's World Cup. It is. As we said earlier, there's a, a lot, uh, something we talked about a long time. There are a lot of famous Jewish sportscasters, but perhaps one of the most famous uh, phrases in sports history. Can we get one from you, Jamie? Go! From the man with the perfect name for a voice, Andres Cantor, the Argentinian Jewish man who is uh, very famously known for his call of goals. So I didn't know he was Jewish, but uh, he's a member of the Peruvian, sorry, Argentinian, Argentinian, Argentinian Jewish community. Uh, his last name is Cantor, which, you know, we would obviously say is Cantor. And uh, for our non-Jewish listeners, a cantor is, is traditionally the person in the synagogue who actually sings the prayers. The rabbi is the person who lead the, leads the prayers, but the cantor is the person who is known for having a good voice and uh, for, for being able to enunciate some of the more beautiful parts of the, of the prayers. So cantor is a great name for someone who is not, you know, no, well-known, even among non, uh, non-Spanish-speaking fans and non-soccer fans, for that uh, epic goal call. Absolutely. Um, he's the grandchild of Holocaust survivors. Wow. And uh, his grandparents are from Poland, settled in Argentina, um, and he was raised in uh, Southern California in San Marino. Cool. Where he has commented for Univision and Telemundo for a very long time um, and been both an icon of the Latin American uh, media community and the Latin American Jewish community. Wow. For a very long time. It's uh, extremely famous and very beautiful, uh, sort of a... a, a icon of the modern soccer game for which we have Jewish people uh, sort of as a, as a big part of it, not just uh, uh, in the booth, but in other ways. But we'll get to that soon. Let's talk a little bit more about Andres Cantor. So he's currently calling games for uh, Univision, for, Univision, Tele- for right. Telemundo. Uh, or maybe those are different. We don't get uh, American channels up here, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but doing the Spanish language bro- broadcast for uh, Women's World Cup games. And, you know, the women's game has, has really come a long way in recent years. I feel like, you know, there was a time where every year it was – every time it was just the U.S. dominating. And it seems like they – while they are still dominating, there's definitely more women's teams that have, uh, you know, have players of caliber. They've built out their programs. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the global network of women's leagues, uh, one specifically the Israeli league uh, of women's soccer, is one of the best in the world. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And, yeah, that's true. And there's a number of players uh, actually won in the World Cup, uh, Sashana Campbell – of the Jamaican national team, plays in Israel. Jamaica is not favored to win, but they are favored to move on. Oh, are they? I saw they lost to Australia. They, they lost to Australia. Australia okay. is a... that That's the group of death oh, is in it? the Women's World Cup. Yeah, yes. Australia's good, I think, right? They're very, very good. They have uh, probably the best player in the world right now. Cool. Did Israel make the World Cup this year? They did not, unfortunately. Oh, I don't know if we know any Jewish players per se, but... One Jew-adjacent player is uh, Megan Rapinoe. That's right. Who's one of the uh, you know all-time greats in women's soccer, plays for the U.S. team, and she's been a longtime partner of Sue Bird. Yes, Sue Bird, a legendary Jewish athlete yeah. who uh, played at the University of Connecticut, played Multi-time for the U.S. national WNBA team. Multi-time WNBA champion. 
That's right. Of the Mul- CL Mul- Storm. Multi-gold medal winner, I believe. Absolutely. I, I think several. Several, yeah. Um, and the captain of the, the reigning champion, Seattle Storm. Right. Uh, who is proudly Jewish and talks about being Jewish often uh, when she was in Connecticut, when she was growing up, and now is a pro in Seattle. And certainly uh, supporting uh, her partner, I, I assume, in, in the upcoming— or, or in, in France right now. In France right now. Well, uh, that's a lot of good news in women's soccer. Uh, unfortunately, there's been some bad news in men's soccer. Uh, Israel recently had a qualifying match against Poland in the uh, World Cup qualifiers. The, mm-hmm. the next World Cup, of course, is slated for uh, 2022, uh, but qualifiers are happening now. And Israel, unfortunately, lost for nothing. But uh, even more unfortunately, after the game, the, uh, the Polish media. Uh, referred to the game, the victory as a pogrom, which the uh, history of that term, while it may not be uh, immediately obvious, Jamie, would you like to share some of the history on it? Sure. So it wasn't actually the Polish media. It was the Polish Soccer Association the Soccer itself. Association itself. Yeah, oh, that's so worse. I'm looking at a Times of Israel article uh, that was written about this, and the Polish Soccer Association on its Facebook page referred to the victory as a pogrom. Now, again, I feel like we, you know, juice planted things a little bit for our non-Jewish listeners. <laughs> Try and keep things light for the most part, but uh, occasionally it's important to talk about these things that are, um, you know, more important more intense, more intense, but important issues. Uh, pogroms refer to uh, massacres against Jewish people, traditionally ones that happened in uh, Poland, the Ukraine, Russia, mm-hmm. the Pale of Settlement. Parts of uh, Eastern Europe where Ashkenazi Jews lived, they were a relatively common feature. It was yep. often uh, used as a, as a way to... Uh, frighten and intimidate. Absolutely, to frighten and intimidate Jews, to get them out of their homes. Uh, many people were killed in pogroms, uh, scared away from, from being involved in society and things like that. It was a way of showing Jews that they were not considered full citizens in those countries, which they certainly were not. Um, and it's a term that I think we continue to use today to refer to things. I, people talked about the, uh, the Pittsburgh shooting last year as a pogrom. Yep. Anyways. I believe John Mayo, a former guest on our podcast, even referred to it as such. That's right. So it's not something to joke about. I mean, it's not funny. It's not, it's not funny to refer to something as a pogrom. I mean, you know, I don't need to make a comparison to some other term and what it means. But, you know, we know what this term means. It means the massacre and murder of, of Jews. Specifically. Uh, yeah, and something that's continued, you know, within within living memory, certainly, uh, in in Poland. So it's really disgusting that they would use such a term. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure there was the the typical apologies, etc. After afterwards, but uh, you know, it has no place in this world. It has no place in, in in organized sports on a national level. I don't see that there was any retribution or, or any condemnation from FIFA or anything like that. But it's absolutely something that should be condemned. I, you know, this is it's really disgusting. Uh, you know, and, and in Poland of all places. So you know, the last year has seen Poland, uh, which for years has sort of you know struggled with with the the way it treated Jews and. Uh, its relationship Absolutely. to Jewish people in different ways. Uh, you know, Poland, which was once, you know, the home of of, of uh, Ashkenazi Judaism in many ways, and the, the origins of so much of, of uh, you know, late Renaissance and early modernity, uh, Jewish thought and Jewish culture, a place that was actually, you know, one of the, the very few places in the world that was open and welcoming to Jews. Uh, you know, I'm talking back, you know, the 18th, 17th century now. But uh, last year they passed a law that made it illegal to refer to Poland's or to talk in certain ways about Poland's role in the Holocaust and uh, collaboration with Nazis and the killing of Jews. Absolutely. And it's taken a real nationalist turn recently. 
I think we try not to get too political on this podcast, but you know, it's taken real a real turn towards uh, embracing anti-Semitism again. And I, I think there's something that should be mentioned also as uh, we look at the story from the Jewish Telegraphic Agency and and other articles that talk about this issue. Many of them take care to mention that the Polish soccer fans at the game gave Hatikva, the Israeli national anthem, a standing ovation and applauded for it, which is not the most common thing in the Israeli soccer world in a lot sure. of countries, especially, you know, if they play in, in Eastern Europe, uh, Israeli teams tend to get booed or jeered or whistled at um, or coins thrown at them, to be honest with you, during the Israeli national anthem. And look, I'm, and, not, I'm not blaming the Polish fans. Um, who, you know, I, by what you're saying, I'm sure have been relatively open and welcoming to, to Jewish fans if they were, mm-hmm. if they were Israeli fans who traveled, you know, I'm sure that's, that's something they appreciated. You know, we, we have lots of friends, I think, who have, who have traveled to Poland recently. And, and for many years, Poland has benefited significantly from, uh, Jews around the world traveling to the home of their ancestors to learn about their past and, uh, and, you know, investigate some of the areas where they live that they no longer live. And I think there's been lots of polls who have, who have embraced that right back and said, you know, th- this is this is a, a great boon to our tourism industry and uh, to have these people come and be able to share a history because yeah. that's what it was. I mean, it, w- it was a shared history so long. So I, I don't fault. And there's still, I mean, a lot of them haven't gone back, but there's a large Polish Jewish diaspora post-World War II. Um, and I think, I mean, unfortunately, it seems like some of the governing bodies in Poland are happy about that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I don't know the, the ins and outs of, of Polish soccer and, and who runs it and all that. Uh, but I'm going to guess that whoever's in charge of it has some connection to the, the people who are in charge of the state. Yep. Um, that, that tends to be how it is, especially in those countries where, you know, head of the soccer federation is a, is a, is a plum job, <laughs> like, uh, like Vasily Stalin running the Red Army hockey team. Right, exactly. And, uh, or uh, Valery Harlamov now in Russia being the head of all sport. Who's that, Valery He's a, a very famous goalie from, okay. you know, the 1970s Right, so he's 80s. some Putin apparatchnik uh, you right. know, and friend. Anyways. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's, it's disgusting. Uh, hopefully they are forced to apologize or something. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine FIFA really coming down hard on them, but yeah, to talk about that in, in terms of, of a program is really disgusting. So, uh, unfortunate that Israel lost. I think it's a very, very, very outside chance that they, uh, make it to the world cup. Yep. I, I think it's very unlikely. The, yeah. we talked about this with, uh, Dave Goss several weeks ago. There aren't a lot of mainstream famous soccer, famous Israeli national soccer players. Yossi Ben-Ayun comes to mind from Chelsea in the 2000s, but the Israeli national team is not quite what they, well, they're not quite reaching the heights that we would hope of other Jewish athletes. But we're here to follow when uh, something anti-Semitic happens to them uh, worldwide. Yeah, that's right. We're here, we're here to defend Israel from uh, anti-Semitic comments whenever they come up, regardless of how well they're doing in a sport. Uh, Well, let's take it to a lighter note. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk everything uh, Raptors, the Jewish angle, uh, the Canadian Jewish angle, and what that means to us and and to everyone in Toronto and all Raptors fans everywhere. That's exactly right. And uh, once again, in the words of the immortal Andres Cantor, Go! Gabe, uh, we're taping this on Tuesday, June 18th. Uh, the Raptors won the NBA championship 
last Thursday. That's right. Uh, the 13th. That's right. Yesterday was the parade. Quite the parade. Did you uh, go? I didn't go per se, but my office sort of overlooks where the players got off the bus. Okay. Um, sort of right behind Nathan Phillips Square. Yep. The parade route took them all the way from Lakeshore up up York and University and over to Nathan Phillips. Uh, I watched I, I watched online a little bit yeah. when I could. Uh, were you able to watch any of it? I went down in front of my building. I work on York Street. I saw players go by. I yelled at Kawhi. I yelled at Kyle. I yelled at others. And uh, uh, But for the most part, I uh, watched it from the comfort of my desk. Right. And then out the window of my office overlooking University Avenue. So let's go on a little timeline here. Uh, the Raptors winning. Uh, we watched the game here on Thursday at my house. Yep. Uh, it was a moment of uh, such pure exhilaration for you that you and our and our other friend Adrian ripped your shirts off in celebration before the game even ended. And That's right. You threw it at the uh, computer that the game was streaming off. That's of, right. Uh, knocking the cord, connecting it to the television out. So that was a fun ten seconds. Yeah, it was a real shlemiel move. Yeah. By me, matched by a real shlemiel move from Jamie, who immediately shouted, "Ah, oh, you broke it!" And then it was fine. We, we managed to fix it. Yep. Uh, we headed down to to uh, Young and Dundas. That's right. Another square common yeah. in Toronto. Which is sort of the, the heart of the city in many ways. Sort of, say sort so. of the, uh, pretend Times Square. The light, the lit up, uh, busy, beating heart of the city. I feel there's very rare places, uh, not as many places you'd see a fully naked man be arrested. Yeah. As it you was, would it was as busy square. as I've seen it since the uh, famous 2011 Flaming Lips show, which was busy because they canceled Radiohead, and we're going to circle back to that. Yeah, we will. Um, I, I, I believe you were there, were you not? I was. Yeah. Uh, I was at the Flaming. I was planning on going to the Flaming Lips. Is uh, is Wayne Coyne Jewish? I don't believe so. I don't, I don't so. think any member of the Flaming Lips are Jewish. Yeah, they kind of suck, right? No, I think they're pretty good. Okay. They used to come out on stage uh, out of a, a giant... giant Zorb? No, out of a giant vagina. Weird. And he would... Wayne would come Those out... Those were the lips. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Wayne would come out in the Zorb, rolling over the crowd uh, uh, out of the... Well, after being birthed. Uh, but I don't think Fun. they're Jewish. I'm going to give it a quick check. Sure. Uh, anyways, we headed down to Young Dundas Square and reveled in, uh, you know, the frivolity. Uh Things were drunk. Uh, bottles of scotch were inadvertently but broken. But, that's uh, right. That's a, that's a story for another another podcast. Um, I had a good sporting weekend after that. Just talking about our own personal history. I played uh, two rounds of golf Friday, Saturday. So that oh, was congratulations. Good. Did not that's play great. well at all. Uh, just got some new irons that I'm trying to work out, and they were bad. And then the parade was on Monday, uh, the celebrations and all that. Yes. So Thursday night, we did not see this because we had already left uh, my house to head downtown. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Larry Tannenbaum, who we've talked about a few times here. The... A Jewish chairman of the board of the NBA. That's... is to oh, go... Of the Toronto Raptors. No, he's the chairman of the board of the entire NBA. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. As well as the owner and chairman of the board of the Toronto Raptors and a fellow member of the tribe from NBA commissioner Adam Silver, who handed him the Larry O'Brien trophy. Larry O'Brien... Probably not Jewish. Probably I'm going to take not. a guess. Uh, but Larry Tannenbaum grabs the trophy, lifts it up in the air, and yells, Hugba. Hugba. Uh, Hugba is the term that is used when the Torah is lifted up. It's it's sort of a, a term of exaltation. Um, and I think it was a moment of huge catharsis and, and exaltation for Larry there. Is there a direct uh, translation of Hugba? 
Oof. I don't know if there's a direct translation. That's a good question. We should probably uh, we should probably check with some actual Hebrew speakers or or theologi- yep. theologians. Uh, you know, my ten years of he- Hebrew day school <laughs> only gets us so far. Only gets you to know to recognize Hagba as something relevant, yet not exactly know what Hagba means. And so there's a great article on the Canadian Jewish News, um, written by Paul Lund- Lungan, our uh, esteemed colleague, Mr. Lungan. I don't know if colleague is the right word because we're just two idiots uh, with a podcast and we've never actually been to the newsroom. But that's uh, true. You know, Someone who writes for the newspaper that we ostensibly represent as well. Yep. Uh, wrote an article about it and that, you know, the, the, the word passed unnoticed, but that anyone with a keen ear and understanding of Jewish tradition would have recognized it as a reference to the honor of hoisting the Torah after it is read. After it is read, I have performed the Hagba. I believe, Jamie, you probably have too, as you have sure, become a bar mitzvah. Yep. And earlier that night, there were a few competing Jew-Rassic parks uh, yeah. going on around the city. One one right around the corner at Holy Blossom. That's right. Uh, a large synagogue nearby. Uh, I feel like Jurassic Park is a phrase that has been used since the history of the book of Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think like Jurassic Park has probably been used to pejoratively describe a synagogue service on a... Uh, on a Saturday morning when the average age is 70-something? I guarantee it was like the hottest bar mitzvah theme of 1994. Was Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yes, I'm sure. You get the, the dancers dressed up as velociraptors. Sure. And maybe some Toronto Raptors uh, reference. In fact, uh, a friend of mine, a fan of the pod, a friend of mine's brother, had Herbie, the Toronto Raptors announcer, announce him at his bar mitzvah. Oh, wow. So that was a Jurassic Park for the ages for sure. Cool. Was uh, Michael Chabon Jewish? Uh, Michael Chabon is definitely Jewish. Did he write the writer? No, he wrote the Yiddish <laughs> Policeman's Union. No, who am I thinking of? You're thinking of Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if there's ever been a Jew named Crichton. Okay, you're right. I was thinking of Michael Crichton. Uh, he wrote Jurassic <laughs> Michael Park. Michael Chabon. He wrote like Jurassic Park and, and the, a lot of like airplane Yeah, books, the, Andromeda, right? the Andromeda Strain and The Running Man and, and that But stuff. not uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier. No, no that was Michael Chabon, okay. the Yiddish Policeman's Union. Once again, our podcast has a nice little literary hour. Uh, this one with me <laughs> misidentifying the author of one of the most successful books <laughs> of the of the 1990s. Uh, yes. or, or no, earlier. It was written earlier. No, so I think it was the 1990s. The but but 1990s. turned into a movie, obviously. Right. Uh, I think... Gilbert. I think we often get confused the fictional discovery of DNA and Amber and the writing of Superman. Right. And, uh, you know, it sort of all comes full circle because the Raptors team name was taken from the fact that Jurassic Park was such a successful yes. movie at the time, uh, which is absurd, by oh, the way. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Although maybe we can talk about it on the pad- podcast with a reference that even though Michael Crichton, not Chabon, definitely not Jewish, the man who brought his vision to life, Mr. Senor Spielbergo, Steven Spielberg, very much. He's so Jewish, he lost money with Madoff. That's how Jewish he is. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, Sandy Koufax levels of Judaism. Yeah, that's that's quite Jewish. I don't know if you, I think if you lost money with Madoff, you can claim, you can get free uh, tickets right near the Bima for Yom Kippur at any service you want. You walk up to the temple and say, I can't donate this year. I lost money with Madoff. They'll let you right in. It doesn't matter who you are. Okay, Michael Crichton, I looked it up, not Jewish, but he did grow up in Long Island. Uh, he grew up in Roslyn, though, which I feel like is not particularly It's not exactly Far Rockaway. No, I don't think it's Far. It's not Massapequa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not. Uh, so he's from the, I guess, the Irish Catholic side of, 
of Long Island, or at least the non-Jewish side in Long Island. Um, anyways, uh, so yes, it was named after Jurassic Park, directed by Steven Spielberg, a Jew. Yeah. Uh, Larry Tannenbaum's been with, been with the team the whole time, and it was great to see him out there. Uh, and so the other big uh, piece of news relating to Tannenbaum and the Jews was that... He made a promise. He, he made, made a vow. He made a promise that if the Raptors won, he would take the team to Israel. That's right. Um, which is something... I mean, there's been plenty of Jewish owners in basketball. We talked about Joe Lacob, won three of the fourth. Is Dan Snyder Jewish? Uh, No, I don't think he is, but I'm not sure. I don't think he is either. Although he did write a tax software. That is how he made all his money. Yeah, Quicken does sound like the product of a a Jewish accountant. Uh, Let's do do a quick on-the-fly podcast uh, Piece of research here. Um, Our producer, Alex, is not with us as he is um, currently... At an event where Nikki Haley is speaking. Oh, cool. Not a Jew, Nikki Haley, although she has claimed allegiance to Israel, but in that bizarre American conservative way. Oh, yeah. Dan Snyder is Jewish. Oh, okay. Well, they won, and he did not pledge to take the team to Israel. Wait, are you thinking of the Cavs owner? Yeah. Oh, that's... Dan um, Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. Who's Dan Snyder? The Redskins owner. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can't say that on this podcast. The Washington football team owner. We just did. Maybe maybe it'll get bleeped. Um, Anyway, so we have to do our own... Uh, podcast fact checking on the fly, which which leads to a good a good little moment in uh, how the sausage is made on this podcast. Uh, we have a little group how chat. the kosher sausage is made. That's right, 100 percent beef uh, and or soy. Yeah, Hebrew uh, national sausage. So uh, we got it. We got a message from our our executive producer Michael earlier this week. Did we know whether or not Fred Van Vliet was Jewish? Now Fred Van Vliet, uh, steady Freddie. The sixth man of the Toronto Raptors, who is a huge, right. huge part of the championship, even got a MVP vote for the Finals MVP from right. maybe the crankiest old Jew in all of basketball, oh, Hubie Brown. Oh, Hubie Brown, yeah, yeah. Um, Hubie Brown is like ninety. Yeah, I'm. It's very few people who actually get a Finals MVP MVP vote. Yeah, it's like a random collection of media people and, yeah. and coaches. Hubie and Brown like is one of them. So yeah, you got a got a Finals MVP vote. He was the only uh, vote aside from Kawhi Leonard. Anyways, Hubie Brown is very much the guy you'd see like struggling to eat soup. <laughs> uh, well, earlier this week we got a message from uh, our executive producer Michael saying, "Do we know whether or not Fred VanVleet is Jewish?" We say, "Well, never heard anything about that, but it, but let's look into it." And the reason why Michael was uh, his interest was piqued to it was that uh, it said on Fred Fred VanVleet's Wikipedia page <laughs> that he was Jewish. And uh, we looked into it. We looked into the Wikipedia history, and we found out that this was just a random vandalization. Uh, yep. wish, wishful thinking on the part of a Jewish Raptors fan. Yeah, uh, it wasn't us. vandalized. It wasn't us. But I think this goes, let this be known to any Wikipedia vandal, any Jewish sports fan Wikipedia vandal out there, where if you claim someone is Jewish, we will find it, and we will fact check you on our podcast. That's right. So we, we fact checked uh, Fred Van Vliet's Judaism, and we were able to find no evidence of it whatsoever. He is uh, from Chicago, though. He's from the Chicago area. I mean, Chicago okay. land, Chicago land. I, I guess that's like, uh, you know, I guess he could be Jewish. It's not like he's from Arkansas, but like, right. you know. There's lots of non-Jews in Chicago as well. This is true. Be. There are lots of non-Jews. There are fewer Jews in Wichita. Yes, where he played. Uh, uh, where he played college, college ball. Um, so, if anyone has inf- any information that, any leads that suggests on Fred that Van Fred, Fred Van Vliet is Jewish, feel free to ha- let us know. Uh, otherwise, we're going to go with the uh, you know would love to have him 
but yeah. uh, no evidence category. Yeah. If, if anyone ever uh, lets us know about someone who they believe is Jewish for one reason or another, some piece of evidence, I think we've both gotten pretty good at investigating it. That's like, true. Looking into their we know you the know, right history, their and... Twitter profiles, and if uh, we go through the Jaden Schwartz, there could be all evidence that they're Jewish, but if they're from Aneroid, Saskatchewan, we'll probably make a ruling otherwise. Yeah, I feel like our first place that we look at is is location of birth. Yep. I mean, sure, there are Jews from all over, but like. You, you hear you hear that's well yeah there are there are Jews from all over uh, but that you, you hear someone is from uh, you know uh, Shanghai what's a, what's a what's a pretty Jewish neighborhood in New York Crown Heights yeah you hear someone's from Crown Heights and you say well let's put two and two together you hear someone's from uh, Newark uh, 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 Newburgh Newburgh yeah what's the really Jewish part of uh, New Jersey really Jewish part of New Jersey yeah uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, maybe. No, I don't know. I feel like all my references are from Philip Roth novels that aren't uh, current anymore. Exactly. Anyways, the first thing we usually look at is location. No, I mean, you you hear someone's from uh, Forest Hills or Jamaica in 2015. They're probably, they were born in 1995. Probably not Jewish. Yeah. They were born in 1955 from Deep Queens. That's a different story. Do you know who's Jewish? Jamaica Kincaid. Who? uh, You might have to tell me who Jamaica Kincaid is. Oh, she's a writer. Anyways. Okay. um, Let's get back to the Raptors. Uh, so, Larry Tannenbaum made a promise to take his team to Israel. That's right. Uh, as we said, there are other Jewish... He made an aliyah, even. I don't know about that. Uh, but Larry's always been a big supporter of the Jewish community in Toronto and elsewhere. Uh, He's on the board of the UJA? Yeah, the local uh, Hebrew high school is named after him. Yeah, um, that's right. He donated his the parents. money. Yeah. yeah, he donated the money to have it named after his family and his parents. Uh, anyways, a, a real mensch. Um so we haven't, as far as I know, seen this promise from anyone else. And, you know, it's a little discordant. I mean, they're technically his employees. It's a celebratory thing. That's but right. uh, I don't know if there's any real connection between the players and Israel, aside from uh, a little bit. I don't think so either. Anthony Parker is a former Raptor who is a living legend in Israel yeah, for he, his he, carrying of Maccabi Tel Aviv to the Eurobasket Championship. And, and when he played for the Raptors, he wore 18, which was, uh, I think, a sign to— uh, It absolutely explicitly was a sign to Israel. To Israel. Um, but no other connection. And I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And I'm sure we'll, we'll mention it again in the future if it happens. Um, we haven't read any plans yet. Obviously, it's, it's in the early stage of the championship. It's in the works, but the promise has been made. So we'll see what happens. Um, Interestingly, uh, a friend of ours who was a uh, occasional, uh, I would say a dedicated listener and an occasional uh, lead generator for the podcast, noticed a, pass, a sign imploring Pascal Siakam not to go to Israel. Yeah, so that's the next topic. I, I mean, I don't want to. Uh, I don't think we need to call him up, call her up by name necessarily. But uh, there is a writer who uh, I, who I used to re- who wrote from the McGill Daily when we went there, who was talking about how she was a Raptors fan, but uh, was going to try and you know lobby for them not to go. I guess interesting. And in the articles that were written about Larry Tannenbaum's promise on the Twitter pages, there were lots of comments about, you know, oh, we should BDS the Raptors now. Like the Raptors, the Raptors are canceled, right? Right. Because, because their Jewish owner wants to bring so the to Israel. So does the BDS uh, movement extend to sports educational tours? I think it does. I mean, I think there have been people in the same way as entertainment, people who have said, oh, we're not going to perform in Israel. There have been there have been right. certainly been athletes who have said they wouldn't perform in Israel or wouldn't play in Israel. And, and that's been uh, an issue for Israeli teams as well. Yep. Um, you know, I, again, not to get too political on this uh, podcast, which I think I think we've done our best not to do. But I don't think either of us are uh, particular supporters of the BDS movement. Um, I don't think so either. I think regardless of our uh, current beliefs of the Israeli government, which uh, 
need it be say is is controversial sure. at the very least. Sure. I think that we both believe as the as contributors to this paper that the BDS movement is not our preferred channel of right. discussion. I mean, I I have a funny you know I sort of think that it's a little defeatist in the first place and and just a little. Uh, difficult in this sort of canceled culture that we have now that it's like, well, who are you going to support? So on that specific point, uh, Draymond Green, who's a forward for the Golden State Warriors, who are the Toronto Raptors opponent in, yep. the, in the recent finals, went to Israel last year and posed for all these pictures of the IDF. Now, he maybe was, he just loves guns. Maybe he does. Uh, maybe he wanted the free trip. Maybe he was yep. on some, some junket that he wanted. Um, Maybe so. It's uh, not uncommon in the NBA. It's not uncommon. I, you know, there's certainly been people who've gone to Israel for various reasons, whatever. But the point is, uh, you know, if if you can't try, if you can't support the Raptors because they're taking their team to Israel, it's hard to support their opponents, the Golden State Warriors, when one of their best players is, you know, clear not just going to Israel, not just going on the birthright tour, but right. posing for pictures of the IDF. He's shooting, going on the birthright guns. plus one tour. Yeah. Uh, He's I, looking for his IDF partner to bring back to America. Yeah, Masai like, Ujiri, the Raptors' uh, president, was there a couple years ago as well. Posted, yep. you know, basketball to, without borders is yeah, part Matt, of the basketball Matt without Ruben borders. Matt Rubin, uh, Israel's president. So you know, there's lots of connection, and the idea that it's like, ah, oh, no, 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 can't support these teams because there might be some connection is a little is a little reductionist and and absurd. So yep. I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe there are some fair weather uh, Raptors. I fans. mean, them. I, I would say if you are a Raptors fan who is because they've decided to go to Israel now. I mean, if you are uncomfortable with Larry Tannenbaum's overall support of Israel, I'm surprised this is the straw that broke the camel's back in the Negev, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 a good way of putting it. I mean, you have an owner, and I assume there's going to be some other owners as well who are big supporters of Israel, yep. both financially and otherwise. And throughout the entire league. And, uh, you know, I think a commissioner who I believe is a supporter of Israel as well. Yep. Uh, and probably true of other sports, too. And, you know you got to pick your battles, I think, sometimes. Because sports are entertainment. It's not that there isn't a political side to things, but uh, it, it's pretty funny to think, well, I can't, I don't want to support the Raptors anymore. Or or contrarily, if you're someone who really believes in BDS, uh, you really uh, have a problem with Israel or its existence or, or its policies or whatever, then I think you do have a difficult time justifying uh, being a supporter of the Raptors. Uh, or of the a Raptors. supporter of basketball in general. Yeah, so, you know, I, I would say we are probably okay without, without them. And if there's people... Let me let me put it this way. No, I wouldn't encourage anyone to stop being a Raptors fan or, or a fan of any team because yep. of their politics. But let me say that uh, if anyone stops being a Raptors fan because a trip to Israel happens, we're fine. I mean, there are plenty of Raptors fans. Two million people showed up yesterday, and I don't want to gatekeep anyone. Uh, that said, I'm I truly believe that if somebody is uh, so dispirited but by the Raptors' visit to Israel uh, that they are no longer a fan of them. You're also probably never a fan of this podcast. Uh, so it, we should be preaching to the choir here and just acknowledge that our, our listeners are probably pretty pretty strong Israel supporters. I don't want to say strong, but sort of... It's a, it's a complicated issue. I'll give you an example. B, the BDS movement is really popular uh, amongst a lot of artists, a lot of musicians, sure. um, and sort of in a maybe a accidental nod to their legions of Jewish fans that I see certainly seem to know all of them that the band Radiohead proudly plays in Israel. Yeah. Uh, given that, uh, well, not only given that they, they play in Tel Aviv, they've played in Jerusalem. They are happy to that their guitar player, Johnny Greenwood, uh, let famous musician, movie composer is married to an Israeli woman. That's right. So game leads us to our last section. I think we both know the answer to this, but uh, we can play it for our listeners. Johnny Greenwood. Uh, Greenwood. Green. Johnny Green. Greenwood. Greenwood. 
Johnny Green. Jew or not a Jew? Johnny Green. What? I am going to guess not a Jew, but I'm willing to hear your argument. Okay. Johnny Green would not Jewish. Uh, you know, How many Jews are there in Oxford? I think we've determined that DeAndre Yedlin of the... Uh, is one of the only Jews in North England. Yeah. Probably the only black Jew in North England. I think I think since Isaiah Berlin died, there aren't that many Jews left in Oxford. Right? There's probably some professors. But Benjamin yeah. Disraeli as well. <laughs> yeah, there's some time ago. So Johnny Green with lead guitarist for the band Radiohead. Uh, you know, his his hair is way too straight, I think, to be Jewish. Yep, he could iron it. He could iron it, but like... In every photo that's been taken for the last 35 years. He's got a real mop on his head and, uh, you know, it goes down too straight. I, I've, I've yet to see a Jew rock that look without it turning into an afro. Not unlike uh, your own or mine. If that's I, right. If by I the my end haircut of, as infrequently as it's you. A, it, it might be straight in the morning, but it's an afro by the end of the day. So uh, his wife, however, is named uh, Sharona Katan. Sharona Katan! Yofi! Exactly. It's as, as, almost as Israeli a name as you could come up with. She, yeah. She's an artist who uh, often credited as Sheen Katan. Sheen Katan. So I've been watching, just a quick sidebar as we're on this, I've been watching everyone's mom's favorite show. Shtisel? Shtisel. Shtisel, sorry. Yeah, the Shtisel, close enough. And the names Shulam and Akiva Shtisel and Alishava and uh, Lippe. You can't forget about Lippe. There's, there's some really Jewish names. They're on the show, very right? Jewish. They're it's quite good. So I feel like that name uh, is is quite would belong as a secondary character on Stiesel. Maybe a, a coworker uh, of uh, Kiva's with whom whom he sexually exchanges crackers. Because okay. that's about the extent of the that's eroticism good, on the show. A good reference that hopefully a few people re- recognize. Everyone's if if you're listening, my parents in law will will understand. Exactly. That. If you're listening and heard that reference, please ask your parents uh, <laughs> about Stiesel. about Akiva exchanging crackers, and uh, they'll get it. Okay. So okay. So here's uh, again our, our deep cut Wikipedia research. Johnny Greenwood's children's names are Tamir. Ooh, it gets better. Omri. Omri. Ah, Homri and Zohar. Zohar. Ooh. That is like you could not have picked more Israeli names. No, probably not. Uh, Are, do they go by Greenwood? Is that their last name? I, I guess so. Or uh, Zohar Green. So his wife, his wife said that our kids is ra- our kids are raised as Jews. We have a mezuzah in our house. We sometimes have Shabbos dinners. We celebrate Jewish holidays. The kids don't eat pork. It's important to me to keep the stuff. So that sounds pretty Jewish. I mean, it's pretty Jewish. I think if, whether or not he is formally converted, I'm willing to accept him as a member of the Jewish. Oh, faith. absolutely. Uh, we'd love to have him, and and you know he's pretty close. That's right. And, and Gabe, here's the here's the uh, the icing on the cake. The uh, the, the sauce, kosher icing on the, the sauce cake. on the Palestinian chicken, as it were. <laughs> Perhaps the um the gravy on the brisket. Yeah. So earlier this year, uh, the legendary comedic actor Bob Einstein died. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, known as super, Marty super, Funk, the Funk super, Man, Super Dave Osborne, Super Dave, the Funk Man. Johnny Greenwood paid tribute via his Twitter account and admitted that his <laughs> hotel check-in name on the last two Radiohead tours. Was Marty Funkhauser. Goal! Oh, that's incredible. In honor of Marty Einstein's character. Funkhauser. So Marty, Marty Funkhauser Funk is like such a Jewish stereotype. <laughs> he is like the epitome of a Jewish uncle in so many ways. Like, Oh, yeah. He, he, he's just he's just a legend in, in, in all our circles. <laughs> I think uh, my favorite Marty Funkhauser uh, scene is one where his mother dies, unfortunately. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Larry steals the flowers from his Larry mother's Larry steals tribute. the flowers from his mother's tribute, of course. Except... He runs in, Larry runs into him and says, Marty, I'm so sorry. How are you? And Marty goes, I'm an orphan, Larry. I'm an orphan. (laughs) 
And Larry goes, you're 75 years old. You're not an orphan. <laughs> oh, man. I miss him. I miss him so much. He was such a great character. Oh, he was so he did good. Some great, uh, he did some great podcasts with Bill Simmons, too. Uh, Funk know. man. Yeah, he was around forever. He wrote for the Smothers Brothers oh, like, yeah. back in the day. He was really like a, a comedy legend. So uh, RIP to Bob Einstein, uh, Johnny Greenwood, uh, member of the tribe-ish. Yeah, you know. we're going to call him a member of the tribe. I think I don't. I think we're not going to get to claim Tom York as much as I would like to. No, I don't over think the so. years he did name his son Noah. And also, uh, Creep was in that movie, The uh, Social Network, about the Facebook founders, which is a pretty Jewish story, if you ask me. Yes. Do you think some of the coverage of Mark Zuckerberg is anti-Semitic? And I think that's where we'll leave it today for our podcast. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks. Gabe, I am going to Israel next week. Ah, mazel tov. Yofi. Sababa. Besedel. Yeah, that's great. Have you ever been? I've been to Israel twice. I've been okay. to Be'er twice. Did you go on birthright? I did not go on birthright, but I did uh, go with my uh, mother. This is great. This is, I hope this is a great introduction. This is a great introduction of your Israeli voice, which is definitely going to get us some feedback. Uh, so I'm off to Israel. Uh, I don't know if there's a uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv game I can go to while I'm there. I think oh, it might should. be the off season, but uh, I'll try and I'll try and do some on the ground. Soccer reporting. might be might be yeah. might be able to see the soccer, the Maybe. football. Kadur Sal. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh no, Kadur Raga. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But, but we'll be back in a few weeks. Uh, until then, uh, you know, absolutely keep celebrating Larry O'Brien, uh, Larry Tannenbaum. Uh, Larry Tannenbaum choose a, Toronto, Larry choose a Toronto we're world champions oh we didn't even talk about Drake uh, you know the, the celebrating celebrating the world's biggest uh, sports fan the, the Jewish Torontonian uh, having his chip, chips with a dip I have a feeling there'll be as this podcast ages there'll be evergreen content to discuss Drake yeah that's true and his chips dipping his chip dipping well, thanks as always for joining us. Uh, you can find more news about the Mensch Warmers at the Canadian Jewish News website, cjnews.com. Uh, there is now a Canadian Jewish News podcast network. On the Facebook page. Specifically, uh, there's a Facebook page for it. Uh, please right. like and subscribe to that. As always, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're getting it. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on Google. We are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher, as is our sister podcast. The Canadian the, Jewish Moose. Hosted by our producer, Alex Rose, and our supervising producer, Michael Freeman, who is there together, the real Alec Goldman of this thing we've got going on sure. here. This Cosa Nostra, this thing of ours. Sure. Uh, please also, if you're on Twitter, please uh, follow, follow us. us at Menschwarmers. Uh, always good Twitter content there. Please continue to comment, like, tell us what you think, subscribe, tell your friends. And if you know uh, anything about Fred Van Vliet's Judaism, hit us up. Yes, that would be Besedel. Okay.